Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. Welcome, everyone. My name is Mary Fox. Kelsey Side. Yeah, and we are the co-founders here at Marlowe. So thanks for joining us for our conversation. As you can imagine, we've been paying really close attention to the professional development trends across industries. It's been really unprecedented times. And we wanted to have an opportunity to, to sit down and just talk about some of these trends that we're seeing in conversations, uh, both within, you know, within our client conversations, but also with lots of other companies and leaders around uh, around the country. And so this has been something that we talk about literally every single day, how this pandemic has impacted how people think about professional development. But it's something that I know each of you are thinking about as well. And so we're, of course, going to be talking about this for the next 30 minutes or so, but please do ask questions in the chat. This is something you know, we'd love to hear what your situation is. We'd love to hear how things are going. We'll be answering questions in chat. And so share anything. And, and if you have resources that have been working really well for you, make sure to share those as well. There will be other people who can see that chat and, and can take advantage of those as well. But before we get too far into this, it's worth taking a minute to introduce Marlo. Uh, we've been combining in-house expert coaches with our interactive platform to deliver personalized professional development at scale. And so this experience is something that, you know, we wanted to make sure that everybody had access to the resources that would help them enhance their skills like communication, time management, self-awareness, people management, leadership. Uh, There's a variety of core skills that just make a huge impact in the success of of each of our team members and, and ourselves, right? Like if we don't continue to develop these skills, they, they get a little rusty and there are habits that we need to focus on building back up. So we started Marlowe to make sure that everyone had access to the resources they deserved and, and needed to be successful in their careers. And because we've brought our coaches in-house, we've been able to uh, make this a more accessible process and also increase the impact because our coaches are able to work shoulder to shoulder, share ideas. Maybe Chelsea can get into that a little bit later as well and kind of speak to some of the things that we do toward the end of our conversation. But today's topic is what's the role of development at a time like this? And it's really spurred a lot of conversations that we've been having around like how best to support our teams and how managers can support their teams. So we're going to take half an hour or so to discuss trends, best practices, things that we're seeing in a variety of industries across a variety of different roles and functions that perhaps will, will add value to your team as well and, and get some uh, get you thinking through things a little bit differently or, or maybe remind you of what you already knew and kind of start having those conversations internally at your organization. So we're talking about three different scenarios. First, the scenario that you, know, you have a team member who was probably performing really, really well yesterday, right? Not yesterday, but three months ago before all of this happened. Um, and now they've suddenly woken up in this remote environment, right? They're finding themselves working like this every single day. And that's a shift. Um, you know, maybe at first they, they, it was working well for them and, and now it's starting to be tougher and tougher. So we'll get into that. The second thing we're talking about is when you have other team members who, who were either brought on knowing that they would need to be developed in essential areas or perhaps they recently got promoted or they took on a different role. So how do you shift your internal development resources to a remote environment? And that's something that we want to dig into. And then finally, we're talking about discussing development as a resource uh, for motivation and engagement. 
just because you have team members who were before the this all happened and before they were working remotely and, and perhaps their roles have changed quite a bit, those team members are still in their career, right? They're actively moving through their career right now. And, and there are things that they need to consider and they want to be developing. They want to be growing their skill set. I know a lot of companies have pushed performance reviews out a little bit further. They've pushed some essential conversations out. And so you have these team members who are kind of thinking, hey, how do I develop and, and what can I do to get to the next level so that I'm not falling behind right now? And so we're going to talk about all of this. We have had previous conversations already around aligning with your team members and, and making sure that you understand what it is that they're going through right now. You know, you as a manager or a leader in your organization should have a pulse on what is going on in the lives of those team members. So if they have a, a different situation that's causing them to not be able to work in the same way that they used to, like that's something that we imagine you already know and that you're able to factor in as we go through these conversations. So check out the, the talk with David Mann that's on our, our blog. You can also check out some of the other articles that we've been posting if you're looking for ways to have that conversation, that sort of check-in alignment conversation on bandwidth. So that is a lot about what we're talking about today. I will kick us off here by asking Chelsea questions and, and we'll just take it from there. Does that work for you, Chelsea? That's great. Awesome. So that first group of team members that I mentioned earlier, you know, these are the people who are incredibly skilled. We know that they can do their job well. They've done it well in the past, but everything has changed. And now here they are in a new work environment, right? Rather than being shoulder to shoulder in the office, being able to swing by somebody's desk, they're having Zoom calls all day or video calls, maybe other types of conference calls. Or maybe they're not having any. If they're more of an individual contributor, maybe they're just cranking away at their workload and having no social interaction. And all of this interacts with their, their performance. So, you know, can you kick us off by talking about, you know, what are the skill gaps that we're seeing these days uh, as people do shift from in the office to working from home or working in a remote environment? Absolutely. The skill gaps have been really interesting because it's quite a broad range. So to start, it's probably what most of you listening and watching today would expect, right? So gaps around those who are highly skilled at using virtual meeting tools, those who are highly skilled with different writing communication styles, so writing in short form via chat, as well as writing in emails, project plans, whatnot. So if those are skills that are newer to individuals, especially those that work more person-to-person, maybe they're visiting client sites and working more directly with clients. This is going to present a new challenge for them in the remote environment. Those aren't the only skill gaps that we're seeing. I'd say more than that, working with different talent professionals, seeing skill gaps in motivation and managing from a distance, in delivering feedback virtually, delivering feedback asynchronously, keeping team members engaged. And then this big topic floating around talent development community today around the difference between micromanaging and over-communicating. And so from an individual perspective, this means the difference between like how do you manage up well, how do you over-communicate well without communicating too much? And from the management perspective, how do I tow that line? What is micromanagement? What is over-communicating? And it's shifted quite a bit. Um, so individuals who, as Mary mentioned, were super hyped uh, performing team members three months ago are met now with a very different set of skills that they need to flex and they need to practice. And so those are some of the gaps that we've seen arise throughout this. And you also end up with like all of this Zoom fatigue. Have you seen that be a problem? WebEx, Zoom. Zoom fatigue. Yes, that is the new favorite buzzword, right? It's all over the news. Um, you've probably seen it on a bunch of different channels. 
Absolutely. I'd say what's interesting there, especially as a company who's, you know, Marla, we've always worked distributed and we take all of our calls virtually. So the idea of Zoom fatigue at first was sort of funny to me. It's like Zoom fatigue, it's what I'm normally using. What I recommend to think about with a Zoom or a WebEx fatigue, really what I think is happening there, it's not that Zoom or WebEx is the problem. It's that we're used to social interaction. We're used to this personal connection. And now everything is switched to Zoom or WebEx. And that includes your family calls. That includes your social gatherings. And so being thoughtful and addressing that and discussing it as a group and giving people a chance to do some meetings via phone calls on walks, if that's something that would be helpful and motivating and engaging to them. Then also being creative in your Zoom meetings. You know, as a distributed company, we're forced to have creative Zoom settings. And so we had a team member show up wearing a funny mask the other day. Sometimes Mary and I will add in competitions to spice things up. We'll do different things to get people feeling excited. So there's tons of research and ideas out there for companies that are already distributed on how they avoid this Zoom or WebEx fatigue. Um, the, the last little note I would give there, just observe, are you adding way more meetings than you would have had in the office? And, and why is that so? So it's the, the running idea that like, could this meeting have been an email? And really be thoughtful to that, right? What were the meetings you used to hold in the in-person setting? Are you scheduling a lot more meetings because you're remote? And where do you really need meetings? And where could things be done differently to keep everyone engaged in different forms of communication? Absolutely. And I, and I love like even the other direction, right? Is this Slack message or this email, should this be a conversation that you're having rather than going both directions, meetings that should be messages, messages that should be meetings. And a lot of people are having a hard time determining what works best. What thoughts do you have on deciding, you know, wh- or giving your team members guidelines on when something should be a meeting versus when it should be uh, a message? Yep. Guidelines, perfect word, because it's sort of the easiest solution there, right? If you set expectations up front, you have discussions around when things would be meetings and when they shouldn't be meetings. That's the easiest place to go. I will just draw awareness that that requires a deep sense of understanding of what you need at a given time. You have to really anticipate needs to be able to do that well. So if you start with those expectations, this is these are where we should have meetings. These are where we should use our other forms of written communication. It's a great starting point that won't solve everything. So start with those expectations and then from there, check in, think how things are going. As an individual, I would ask you to question, am I getting what I need from this given form of communication? So am I giving the response I'm looking for? Um, Am I getting the changed results that I'm asking for? If not, switch to a different channel, see if that works better. Great advice. What role do uh, managers and individuals, what role do they have in bridging these gaps that individuals are facing these days? Like, is it the job of the individual to sort of recognize it or... Should the manager be stepping in? How do we avoid Mm -hmm. micromanagement in this process? Yeah, absolutely. The the high level there is we all need to be kind and thoughtful throughout this, right? Just as you are with everything else, the phrase keeps coming up, we're not working from home, right? We're working remotely during a pandemic. This is very different. And so whether you consider yourself to be more of an individual contributor or whether you are managing or leading teams in any situation, think where you can be proactive and take responsibility to kick off some of these conversations. So that means regardless of your title, regardless of your level, you're having open, honest conversations around expectations, around needs. You're listening as well as sharing and being open to share what you need from this. So when we're thinking about the skills gap, professional development, I'm 
both willing and open to share, you know, where I think I need some help, assistance, ideas, new thoughts, new theories, and I'm willing to listen to others. I'm willing to ask what could feel like a hard question. Where is this hard for you? So Mary and I in the beginning checked in, how are things going in New York? How are things going in San Francisco? That's a really easy way to start regardless of what your title is. How are things going? How's communication throughout this pandemic working for you? How is it like working remotely? Just asking those questions regardless of level. I've heard a lot lately of people who are struggling to understand the best way to support more senior leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we're working with a, an individual contributor who we have that rapport with, how do we take those same ideas and apply them to somebody who has traditionally been much, much more independent? They're, they're taking the lead on their entire department probably. And how can you support them and, and help them level up? So I think first as managers, um, we joined a coach training for coaches across different coaching styles in how coaching has changed during the pandemic. And one of my biggest takeaways that I think works for managers as well is we can't have any assumptions going into this about what we think we know about individuals. So it's a great thought if we normally consider someone to be more senior, to be more autonomous, to always have it together, we need to drop those assumptions because we're in a totally different environment. So where someone is usually used to working more autonomously and never asks for help, have space to give them a place to ask for help, have space to give them a place to be vulnerable, to not always know all the answers. So of course, your more junior team members who it's probably really clear that they need greater assistance here, wonderful, you're giving them extra time, but be thoughtful of those high performers, be thoughtful of those more senior leaders as well, and because they likely need a different type of support than they're used to getting, and it's just because the whole world flipped upside down, right? So assumptions out the window, We're giving as much proactive, thoughtful time with each of our team members, asking similar kind of questions, regardless of what we think they already have or what they already need. Great. So similarly, that second topic that I I wanted to bring up was around development to help team members level up. Uh, So, you know, that first group, we're talking about skill gaps that were caused by the pandemic, but then we had these trainings and programs that we probably were running before the pandemic. And now we have team members who still need to be developed, uh, but everything shifted. So when training and development has innate changes due to remote work, how can we consider either ongoing training, how do we adjust that, as well as helping people onboard into their new role or transition into a new role? What types of thoughts do you have on the subject in general? Absolutely. So I'd say whether you're a manager or you are supporting managers and leaders throughout this, to first have an open conversation. And if you haven't done this already, Now we know remote's not changing, so it's not too late. Have an open conversation on what it looks like for your company, your team at this time to engage in remote development. And so think, how do you normally develop, coach, participate, and work alongside your team members? What are your normal work styles? And so we'll see things like, you know, I'm sitting next to them. I'm really one for one working with them throughout the day. I stop by their desk three or four times throughout the day to check in, see how things are going. We do a lot of pairing, shadowing, whatever it is where you're working one-for-one, they can see how you're working. We have extra mentorship conversations where we really get that developmental support. Each of those items are going to feel in different ways, like they've changed because of the remote environment or just because of the pandemic and the emotions that come along with that. So for each of those items, we first want to address what our normal work style habits, preferences are. And then work creatively to think about how you can do those remotely. So a lot of remote teams that already exist distributed today have guides, tools, handouts, 
GitLab as a whole culture, how to develop and challenge people remotely guide that you can check out. Um, But really what they're doing is saying, how do we take those regular in-person interactions and adjust them for a chat? How do we take those, you know, shadowing moments and adjust them for a WebEx or a Zoom call? And so something I'll love to do is I'll just have open Zoom office hours where anyone can join or pop in and we'll work together side for side, but we're not actually having a meeting. We're just working with video boxes next to each other. And that gives me those free moments like I would in the office to say, oh, I'm working on this thing. I'm not sure. Would love your eyes on this actually, where I would normally not ask for their support, maybe not collaborate if we were separate. We're doing it because we have boxes next to each other on a video call. So I really truly believe you can creatively develop in the ways you used to develop if you're willing to search for and try out new options. Often these types of conversations can feel like they should wait until the next time we're in the office, right? So you mentioned it, rather than waiting, having these sort of like office hours where you're just have your video open. But then sometimes like you can't be face-to-face. You have people in different time zones. So what level of support do you recommend providing if it's asynchronous? You know, how can you perhaps like, for example, a friend of mine, their boss is actually living in Europe during the pandemic right now because of, you know, that's where they're from. That's what the family Mm. situation is. And so this is somebody who would have been in the office before, but suddenly is in a very different time zone. And I can imagine that's kind of happening for a lot of people. So how can you think about adapting training and development to be asynchronous? What types of solutions have you seen work really well? Yeah, definitely. I think we're seeing this across the board, right? Managers and leaders thought they'd be back in the office together in two months, but it's not necessarily happening. So very important that you align first and foremost on urgency and timing. So where maybe you were waiting to have a one-on-one for two months for that in-person moment or waiting to deliver that really useful feedback or waiting to have that development opportunity. It's fair to say at this point, how we work is substantially changed at least for the next few years, right? So it's worth it to dive in, to be creative, to have conversations. So when is development urgent enough that we should push it so it could potentially be asynchronous or we can push it so it should be virtual? And I would argue most of your development opportunities, we shouldn't be waiting for them, right? We should be discussing with our team members, getting their buy-in, getting their willingness. And that's the biggest thing. So for all of us who are used to coaching, used to developing, the first role to coaching and development is that they're bought in on the skills that they're developing, why they're developing them, why it should be exciting to them and they're bought into how. So when we talk about asynchronous development, your team member needs to be bought in and willing to develop more asynchronously first. And then from there, you, know, you can come up with strategies together. So chat or inter-office communicator checkpoints are probably the easiest thing to do asynchronously. So if you're checking in on progress, you're reporting on results or wins, accomplishments, you're giving updates, you can get quick moments of feedback and adjustments, especially when work is more urgent. So if I am working on something that has a delivery deadline of two weeks, I have to rely on an asynchronous tool to get quick feedback from my manager, to get quick ideas or thoughts. So for your individuals, ask specific questions if you're using chat or email or any of those other tools. And as managers, give specific feedback, give specific information on what specific actions they should change or continue doing to develop and get better. So asynchronous is definitely possible. Start with aligning on why you need it. Um, Then be as specific as possible. As you're thinking through 
um, what feedback to give asynchronous versus synchronous. Do you have any tips on how you can make those decisions? If we're talking about there's performance that I want to either change or reinforce, what thoughts do you have on, on choosing how to do that and when to choose asynchronous versus synchronous? Absolutely. So there's a lot of you know, research information studies about feedback being as real time as possible. So this idea of ongoing feedback. So all the companies you say moving away from your standard performance reviews are trying to shift to more real time feedback. When you're working remotely, the only way that can happen is if you're willing to try asynchronous feedback. So what is the feedback that should be real time? Well, it's feedback that's tied to a specific expectation or goal. So we've already aligned on the expectation or development goal. Then I can absolutely give you and should give you real-time asynchronous feedback on how you're tracking towards that goal. And the asynchronous feedback should also be about one discrete action or behavior. So we don't want to tie together this long laundry list of feedback items, right? We just want to touch on that one thing. So if it's metrics-driven and they're not going to hit the metric that's due by Friday, you know, you can specifically talk to how many emails they've sent and how closely they're tracking to the metric. That feels easier. We can also do this with items that are relationship-based, right? If they're working to collaborate more with a team and they're doing all the project autonomously and you've agreed that they are going to collaborate more, check in on that. You know, we had an agreement that we were going to work more collaboratively with this team. Haven't seen you loop them in yet. Can you let me know what your plans are here? Right? That is something that's okay to send in an asynchronous message. The addition I would give to asynchronous is think about what your specific ask is. If it's urgent, it is challenging to give a question because if you ask a question, you're sort of waiting on them to respond. So if you're going to be asynchronous and it's urgent, feel confident either telling them specifically what you want them to do differently or delegating it to them, right? If they have enough skill and it's urgent, hey, can you correct this, right? Give them the space to correct it on their own. So those are probably my best tips for how to do feedback async. Great. And one topic that comes up a lot in the conversations that I've been having lately is, you know, I don't necessarily know what my, pers- my, my team is working on right now. Like I don't have, in the office, you get to see what they're actually executing on. You get to see them at their desk. And this is one thing that, that frustrates me because sure, you can see them at your, their desk, but you actually don't know what progress they're making unless you're like reading over their shoulder, which goodness, I hope none of you are. Um, but, you know, this is something that we talk about internally quite a bit, the importance of reporting. And can you talk to the, the way that you're coaching on reporting right now and how you're helping managers provide direct reports with guidance on how they can start to manage up on reporting? Absolutely. So reporting remotely requires a level of commitment to over-communication, um, but we also don't want to communicate so much for overwhelming people, right? Maybe an email a day would be wild. So what I recommend when you're thinking about reporting, align on expectations, consider who your stakeholders are, what information do they need to give you data to change or pivot where required, or to know you're successful. So why are we reporting? We're reporting so people know that we're successful, know that we're productive, and can give us feedback in real time so we can adjust. Um, So when you're reporting first, starting with those stakeholders, who is it who needs updates, what is a cadence that would be useful depending on the feedback you're looking for, and then adjusting and iterating on that, right? Everything is continuously changing, so so should our communication styles. And the extra piece I would suggest, to be really honest with yourself on sort of where your philosophy is, I think there's two shifts in this pendulum. There's those who truly 
are more focused on the output of the work than what they're visually seeing. And there are those of us who are just more visual people. We're used to butts and seats representing productivity. And so this is a really hard change. And so I don't say that as a bad thing. I say that as just a place to be honest with yourself. Are you the person or are you working with the people who are more used to butts and seats that that represent productivity? If that's the case, what reporting would be equivalent enough to cover that. You're going to have to test and iterate here. Your first try is not going to be perfect. So if you're not getting feedback on how effective your reporting is, take it synchronous. Make a phone call, have a meeting, check in. Is this reporting letting you know how we're effective? How effective do you think we are because of the reporting? How productive do you think my team is because of the reporting? Ask specific questions to get the data you need to iterate moving forward. I was in another webinar conversation yesterday and somebody asked, "How if you don't know what your team members are working on, how can you give them feedback? And, and that realization of helping this individual think through, you have to know what your team members are, are doing. You need to understand the impact they're having. And if you don't, then feedback can't happen anyway, right? Like, so, so don't worry about feedback right now. Worry about getting in the know. So thanks for those tips. Those are really helpful. I want to switch to the third group of people that we talked about earlier, which is this group of team members who might overlap heavily with the first two groups that we talked about, right? But it's it's everybody who's wanting to develop right now. Some people are, of course, you know, feeling a little bit underwater these days. Others are feeling like this is an opportunity to develop new skills that will pay off down the road. And so I'm curious, as we approach individual personal development, is this a topic that you're seeing come up quite a bit? And you know, where, where should leaders even start to think about providing additional development opportunities for team members? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm seeing this come up a ton. And I think it's because it relates very closely to one of the big losses that have occurred for people throughout this and a loss that's sort of hard to rationalize, right? It's not a physical life loss or health loss. So we think we should just ignore it. But if your goals feel like they're put on pause, or they're put on the back burner, or it's just like, I'm not going to accomplish this because of the pandemic, right? That's still lost and it can be hard to deal with and manage. So as managers and leaders, it's our responsibility to consider these career progression opportunities and there's these career goals as something that's very important and valuable to our team members. And we need to be thoughtful to that. So we need to still commit to having ongoing conversations around career goals, around career progression, even though we know as leaders, our company goals have shifted dramatically, right? I don't know what the state of the economy will be in a month. And so these things can make it hard for us as leaders to want to have a conversation around a promotion. You're asking me promoted, the economy just crashed, right? And I understand that. Mary understands that we're leading a company too, but we still need to save space for that. We need to be thoughtful and empathetic that our team members' goals now feel halted on pause like they're gone because of the economic crash. And so where can we commit to having those conversations, even though they're harder, commit to discussing creative alternatives to career progression, creative alternatives to growth and development. And these don't necessarily need to be title changes if that's not available right now. We can still help people flex skills. We can still help people try new things, find creative opportunities for growth. Great. And those opportunities are not going to necessarily be obvious. How can you pull in your team members to help them be a part of that process? What are the types of conversations that, that we should be having with each of these team members? Knowing, full, you know, we talked earlier, there, there are different levels and different stages in their career, different things are going on. So this definitely has to be a personalized approach. 
where do you start the conversation? Yeah, that's a really good point, right? I think, you know, with what I just shared, I don't want you to walk away thinking, okay, as a manager and a leader, it's my responsibility to give my team career progression. I'd actually say it's your responsibility to start the conversation and to ask the right questions, not to say, here's your career map during the pandemic, right? We have to ask questions. So I think that's the biggest and the first place. What do you enjoy about your work? What energizes you? What motivates you? What excites you? What do you wake up wanting to do every day? And especially for some people where work is the biggest outlet they have, you know, for some, it might be very important right now that they get to put more energy into the work they're doing. And so ask questions as leaders and managers, dive into this, explore, you know, if you could spend 10, 20% of your time developing a new skill, trying something different, partnering with a different team at the company, what would you want to do? So we can ask thoughtful questions to help them shape and develop. But ultimately, you know, this does need to be driven by and come from them to some degree, right? It's their career progression. It's their career goals. Our job is just to ask the right questions, to create the structure and to be open to listen. And this is particularly important if strategy, approach, vision, if anything has changed internally, you can't rely on your team members to know exactly what has changed and and how their role is going to evolve given all of this information, particularly if they don't have the information. And so it brings up another point of making sure that you're aligning with your team members on what the new priorities are, giving them ideas for how they could contribute, right? We want our team members to be proactive, but that's tough if they don't have the information they need. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, do they even know where they could add more value? Right. And giving them the tools to answer that, totally. A lot of companies are canceling performance reviews or pushing them out. And um, I know that that's not a decision that's taken lightly. And then other teams are keeping theirs. And so there's this sort of like, (laughs) neither option is a great option, neither option is a bad option. When performance reviews are canceled, one thing that gets canceled along with them, whether you tie salary to performance reviews or not, if compensation is not even a part of it, you're still losing that opportunity to see feedback from your manager, from your peers, depending on how the company Mm -hmm. does it. And that you mentioned earlier, having a loss, like that's such a big loss. If you thought that this was the opportunity for you to see like, are things going as well as I thought they were going? I've been getting good feedback, but like, am I getting that promotion or am I getting that new responsibility that I thought I'd be getting? As teams are considering whether or not to keep or push their performance reviews, what are some of the trends that that you're seeing in the industry of the impact that that might have on team morale or conversations around what people are are wanting to to be doing with their career in the coming months? Yeah, I think any performance reviews that have been canceled, the intention that I've seen has always been to benefit the employee, right? There are cons, as you mentioned. And so if you're thinking of canceling, it's generally because the feedback will be unfair given that person's bandwidth capabilities because of their home life situation, because of the other needs that they're serving due to the pandemic. Um, So that intention in that place is a very thoughtful and fair place and a very supportive place that the company is coming from. We then just have to know that if we're canceling those reviews, as you were saying, we're canceling that opportunity for feedback or maybe even worse, we're putting now all of the responsibility on the individual team member to seek out that feedback on their own. So where can we build support systems around that, right? So if you want to cancel reviews for any reason, thinking of your basic change management strategies, over-communicate the reason, the why, get buy-in on that why. 
Um, and then from there, give other opportunities, structures, tools for your team members to solicit feedback. So whether you're giving them the questions you would generally ask or giving them an opportunity to do more informal 360s or giving them a training on how to best ask for and receive feedback so that they can do it more ad hoc. Uh, and similarly, training your managers to have these conversations. I think some of the best change management plans I've seen, of course, include that general values alignment at the top, but then the communication tools perpetuate down the whole way to the manager level. So at the manager level, we're giving the manager tools on how they can communicate with their individual team members about how to ask for feedback given performance reviews have been canceled. And so making sure the process is that thoughtful. And no matter where you are in the organization, no matter what your control is, you know, with whatever cards you're dealt, you can still pick up the process I'm suggesting at your level and bring it down to the team members you have more of that influence over. Great. And you, we've talked a little bit around, you know, how we can have these conversations and provide support to get feedback. What about growth opportunities that maybe aren't so obvious? What are some of the, the growth opportunities that could be a little bit more outside of the box than just a promotion or just a pay increase to take on new responsibility? Have you, have you seen anything shift here because of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. There's such a big hole that exists in terms of stepping up as the leader and stepping up as an influencer within your company and within you know, the community writ large. And so this is your opportunity, no matter what level you are in the organization, to step up and really be there for your team, to lead them, to engage them, to excite them. Maybe you're the one organizing you know, the monthly team happy hour, or you're the one coordinating the lunch and learn to keep people connected. I am saying in a really amazing way, people who always wanted leadership or management opportunities find this place where they can step up and find this place where they can take that on. So as managers and leaders, we can encourage this as well, right? We need a deeper social connection, especially those who maybe aren't the social drivers in the workplace, perhaps a virtual setting is a better opportunity for them to engage, for them to get their team members excited. And so maybe they created a new channel in your inner office communicator or Slack that just talks about some fun, fun internal things. I know people have done them around home office interior design or creative office setups and plants and animals and kids. You know, but these are all opportunities where people are stepping up to lead, to engage, to motivate, to excite their team members. And so when we both facilitate these as managers or leaders or just support them, right? When we see them happening, we recognize them, we support them. We show that these are leadership skills that they're developing. They will be super critical for them throughout their career. So I saw that you created this new channel or started this new weekly lunch and learn and the great opportunity to engage, lead, manage team members in a different way. Excellent. As we move toward hopefully getting back into the office and transitioning back into our old normal or finding some version of a new normal, what are some of the challenges that you see happening for teams that are maybe, you know, working in the office uh, two out of five days a week? Or, you know, I remember when I would work remotely at a previous role years ago, every time I would work from home, they'd cancel all the meetings that day mm-hmm. for me and be like, don't worry, we'll do it tomorrow. And then the next day would I'd show up to work and be busier than I'd ever been because there wasn't that culture of working remotely. So in that environment, now suddenly people are working a couple days a week, maybe not even the same days as each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what challenges can we anticipate and how can we get ahead of those? Absolutely. So I think with 
seeing companies like Twitter saying work from home forever, right? And other companies start to say uh, work from home schedules will be consistent through September or October. And then after that, there will be adjusted returns. We can guarantee at this point that at least throughout 2020, the return to work is going to require some sort of ongoing work from home schedule or some sort of ongoing flexible working schedule. And so if we at least know we can anticipate that, we do need to anticipate how to maintain productivity throughout the normal five-day work week. So we can't have our most productive moments be the two days half the team is in the office together, right? So all of these best practices that you've had to learn in sort of this avalanche of time, you need to maintain them and be thoughtful about them throughout the end of the year, right? So whatever you've learned around how to be productive in a full virtual setting, know that there's going to be some marriage of that with going back to the office. So don't reserve important meetings for the only day half the team is back in the office. And when you have certain people back in the office, and when you have those who may still need to be remote in some setting, you're going to be adopting a new set of rules around meetings and over communication. So now we're seeing people get in a bigger habit of ensuring there's always a dial-in for remote team members, ensuring notes for meetings are shared more broadly. Maybe meetings are recorded or we're doing all hands meetings during several time zones to accommodate different capability. So these best remote distributed work practices are going to have to be enhanced and deepened when we are challenged by some people coming back to the office and others not, rather than sort of forgotten altogether. I'm going to give you a really unfair question, Chelsea, for you to wrap us up here. What is the role of professional development at a time like this? Absolutely. So a time like this means you have an even greater responsibility as a manager or leader to keep your team engaged, motivated, excited, and productive. And professional development is the one key thing that can do all of those three things. So making sure they're still developing, growing, evolving as people, even when the world feels like it's canceled or stopped, it's one of the most important things you can do. Well, I always enjoy having conversations with you, Chelsea. Um, we should do this more often. For all of you who are watching and listening, thanks so much for taking the time. If you're interested in having this type of conversation with us one-on-one -on -one and you want to explore how you can roll this out to your team and, and approach this differently, we do offer a, a consultation. So feel free to check us out. Go to getmarlo.com and request information or just send us an email. We're at info at getmarlo.com. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes.